Welcome to Ascending Olympus, the Edge of the Crowds Olympics and Paralympics podcast. I'm your host, Jackie, and tonight on day four of the Paralympics, but we're also going to be talking about day three, I'm joined by Dan. So how are you tonight, Dan? I'm well, thanks, Jackie. It's good to be back in the chair and the Paralympics is, it's up and going and and I know we talked about it last time, but I am starting to feel the first breaths of Paralympic fatigue. Just little waves of exhaustion that come in. That's yeah, exactly. Yep, that one. I mean, I think that you'll feel a little bit better about the performances this time around. There's still been 20 medals and China is well and truly on top of the medal table with eight gold. Ukraine's close behind on six gold medals. They're like home, home Paralympics. China's just killing it. However, we're going to start with the snowboard cross tonight because Australia on day three got its first medal of the Paralympics. And that was the youngest member of the team, but also the team co-captain, Ben Tudhope, who took out snowboard cross LL2 bronze. Um, and considering there was an almost crash and he was at the back of the pack for a little bit of that big final, I'd say that it was a pretty spectacular bronze medal in the end. Yeah, I mean, he came home like a house on fire. Um, or I feel like more in the skiing is, you know, trying to outski an avalanche just the way that he <laughs> yeah. was going down the hill. But it was brilliant. I mean, it wasn't the start that he was looking for, but he did close really well. And I think it's a really great reward for what's so far. And I mean, it's crazy to say that the youngest member of the Paralympics team has had a decorated career so far, but he's won a number of World Cups this year. He's won the overall overall world cup this year it's his third paralympics and this is very much reward for for that long-term effort yeah exactly and i think that with ben it's like this is his third games there was a level of expectation that maybe he could do it and go all the way and win gold but like maddie suhamari from finland is absolute freak <laughs> like that's probably the best way to put it is an absolute superstar on a snowboard and that like that gold medal was his once they'd gotten past that first jump at least the wu-tangs it was pretty even but after that point it was like oh gary garros is gonna try really hard to catch up but he's not gonna get him no, it's not and i mean it didn't look like ben was gonna get a medal and it looked like more heartbreak but the young australian found a way and I still think it's crazy that we call a three-time Paralympian a young member of the team, but he is. Also a 22-year-old, a young member of the team, when we had Valentino in the Olympics at 16. But there's also the fact that, like, after the race, um, because Ben is a part of what is called Team Unicorn, um, and it's a couple of snowboarders that are all under one coach, he was then crash tackled by Alex Massey, who finished sixth overall. He was second in the small final and Maddie Suhamari um, right at the end. And it was just like, ah, more friendship Olympics moments. But also there was a, a slight technical issue for the Alpine skiers um, just before their event, which was scheduled for not long afterwards. And so there was this clip of the Australian Alpine skiers huddled around someone's phone watching Ben race and jumping up and down for joy when when he got that and that's you know that's a heartwarming it's a unified team and over the last 12 months and it's crazy to think that we've had two Olympics and one and a half Paralympics inside 12 months but 
that's what we've come to expect of our Australian teams, that they are unified and supportive of one another. And we've seen it time and again. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we've also seen some other unification uh, in particular. We'll stick with LL2, but go to the women's. Uh, and Cecile Hernandez and Brianna Huckabee both landed on the podium. Cecile winning gold, Brianna winning bronze. Cecile's from France, Brianna's from the United States. Um, and they, if the IPC had it their way, those two wouldn't have even been competing because they are actually the LL1 classification, which was ruled out of the Paralympic program because there basically just wasn't enough competitors for it to be possible. They were originally told they could compete at their own disadvantage in the LL2 classification. Then we're told, nope, you can't compete. So they went to like the courts, fought to get in. And Andrew Parsons said that the ruling was disappointing, but it's clearly not that disappointing when at their own disadvantage, they're the two that made it on the podium, joined by a genuine LL2 snowboarder, Lisa DeJong. Yeah, I mean, that's it's a great story. It's one that is unfortunately all too familiar in terms of the Paralympics of athletes in classifications with a, a more severe disability. Um, having their classifications essentially wiped out and saying, you know what, screw it. I can compete with the next classification up. Let's go at it and win it. I mean, it's great to see. And hopefully it's a bit of a sign to the Paralympic committee that they need to have more events because athletes will compete and athletes are competitive. Um, And we shouldn't be combining athletes and bringing them together. But in fact, we should be giving them all a chance to compete. Yeah, and I do understand why it was taken out of the program because they have the rule of five athletes from three countries and the LL1 was at World Championships in 2019. They had these two athletes um, from their respective countries. So it actually like makes sense that like you can't have a viable international competition. But to then just say, well, nope, none of you can compete now, like that's where it got absurdist. Um, and also like to talk about Brianna Huckabee, she like barely made it into that big final. She had a like spill early in her semifinal race, ended up getting back up, coming from nowhere to finish second in that semifinal. Like the person that won that semifinal, which I believe was Hernandez, but I could be wrong on that. Um, Hernandez had finished and then like it was just waiting to see who was going to come up after that last jump and it was like oh my god it's Huckabee like who saw this coming and she had a crash with the fourth place finisher Lisa Bonshorten um from the Netherlands and Bonshorten was like completely wiped out um and ended up as a DNF in the final and there was like a weight at the bottom of the hill being like is Huckabee gonna get disqualified and if that was the case then it was actually going to be not that Von Shorten ended up winning bronze. It would be that Brittany Corey, who was first in this small final, was going to take bronze because of the fact that like um, Von Shorten hadn't finished the race, which a little bit confusing. <laughs> yes. I'm glad we avoided that scenario. Oh, um, for sure. Because that would have been a, a pretty embarrassing moment, I think, for everyone. No one wants to see athletes who who have made the final not being given a proper shot at the medal. So I'm glad we avoided that. But we might jump back to the men's because in the LL1, we had Tyler Turner take gold from Canada ahead of Mike Schultz and Wu Zhongwei of China. And I mean, the, the Chinese find a way onto, it seems like every podium, this Paralympics, that investment that the Chinese Paralympic community made for, ahead of a home Paralympics has 
absolutely paid off. Yeah, and I mean, Tyler Turner has gone in as the favourite. He's won this event at the past two World Championships. Um, he's 33, and so, like, there is the potential that he could come back. The more he could also be like, I'm going to retire on top of the world. It's like, no one can beat me. Um, but he and Mike Schultz both had a really great race, and it was a bit of the story across the Paris snowboarding, at least, that it was, like, one and two. It was very obvious it was going to be one of those two, and then three and four, there were some sort of, like, not necessarily a crash, but someone had ended up slowed down. There was no, like, three-way possible, like, ties, photo finishes. But there were a lot of photo finishes in the semis, to be fair. But we'll go to the UL competition because... It's your favourite. Once again, we've seen a podium sweep. We're going to talk about a few podium sweeps tonight, actually. But China took the podium sweep this time. And the fun part about this one was just by having the big final, China was going to have a podium sweep. They had all four athletes in that big final. It's, uh, I don't know what you say about that. That, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had five of the best eight. Um, ultimately, the fifth Chinese athlete who did really well in seating, but then didn't perform all that well in the races, he ended up eighth overall. But at the same time, like Ji Li Jia, who ended up winning gold, Wang Pengyao and Zhu Yonggang, they did phenomenally well. Zhu had a crash um, alongside the fourth snowboarder, which was Zhang. And like Zhang was ultimately disqualified, but Zhu still finished quite Drew still crossed the finish line in third. So it was one of those things where it was like, yes, this athlete got disqualified from the final, but at the same time, like it didn't change who finished one, two and three. So there wasn't that like heartbreaking moment either. No one had a medal taken away from them, I guess. But these four all train together when they ride the course together, it looks incredible. Just like the way that they react to each other's movements um, and try to like find little new ins to beat each other. It, adds a lot to the actual competition and you don't get to see that very often because unless people that do train together all the time like the team unicorn guys in the ll2 competing against one another there's not that familiarity that you see that's very obvious where they can kind of shut out a fourth person that's in the race if they want to yeah i mean it's it's probably a good thing that we don't see it too often um because i think that would only grow calls for a team event um, yeah. and I look, I am all for mixed team events. I am all for team events, but I think given what we've seen, certainly in the UL, uh, classification, we are not having a team event because it is not going to be fun. China just will win everything. And these guys only took up snowball across about six years ago. Like that's how ridiculously good they've gotten ridiculously quickly. We're going to go to the other podium sweeps because there were two others this time in the biathlon, um, and I think the first one that we're going to break is not that surprising because it was Ukraine in the men's visually impaired 10 kilometers. And it wasn't identical to the previous podium sweep. Vitaly Lukashenko did still win gold, um, but Anatoly Kovlevsky ended up winning silver, which replaces Oleksandr Kazik. And then Dmitry Surakyo ended up winning bronze. And he also won bronze in that six kilometer event. So... <laughs> I mean, they're still going one, two, and three. I don't have whether they got four and five in front of me right now, but there is part of me that is like, I would not be surprised if they are once again five in the top six. Nope, not at all. 
Um, and the Ukrainians like a- have just been so dominant at the biathlon. It's it's incredible to see, and I think there's certainly some Schadenfreude about the fact that you know Russia aren't here, and the Russian Paralympic Committee does have a reasonably good record in the biathlon, and to see Ukraine sticking it to the world saying these are all of our medals um it's pretty special at the moment yeah and like this is how they've won six gold medals by winning four in the biathlon um doesn't so move so we move to the sitting event so Liu Mengtao ended up winning gold he was bronze in the six kilometer event um and then Martin Flick from Germany ended up winning silver and Tras Rad ended up winning bronze and he was the silver medalist in the six kilometer event um for the record of the nine men's biathlon medals today Ukraine did win five of them again so like as we say they're just dominating and then if we look at the standing event Mark Ardens ended up winning gold he's also another athlete that's come from bronze to gold in adding four kilometers to an event gold medalist from the six kilometer standing Grigory Volchinsky ended up winning silver and we had a new athlete on the podium, a new country to make the podium. Uh, Alexander Gerlitis from Kazakhstan ended up winning bronze. So just like Australia, <laughs> Kazakhstan's finally gotten a medal as well, which just adds a little bit of like wholesomeness. Yeah, I mean, we, we always love to see some good representation across the medal table. It's nice as it gets longer and longer over the course of the games. Yeah, surprisingly, there's only been 19 National Paralympic Committees win a medal so far. Um, And obviously, like, Australia is one of them, which helps. And it's good to see that we're seeing a few more get added. I think Kazakhstan was the only new one today. To be fair, there was not that many medals handed out today. It was six total, all from the biathlon. Uh, But we'll move to the women's. I'm going to start with a standing event because, once again, another podium Podium sweep. Yeah, again, Ukraine. Uh, so this time it was Irana Bui who ended up winning gold. Um, and then Alexander Kononova won silver. And a silver medalist from the 6K event, Ludmila Lushenko, ended up winning bronze. Um, I mean, the fact that they've gone from just having one on the podium to then sweeping the podium, pretty, pretty crazy. Especially when, like, China's performance was so dominant Um in that event the other day i mean it, it was but the distance plays a whole new part i mean these these events do kind of go and it's crazy for us to say as people who don't you know couldn't do a biathlon or a 6k let alone call it a sprint but the, dis- the difference between a 6k and a 10k really is a, a sprint and a long distance event and it does change the way it works and for some athletes you know that's fine they can continue to dominate at both but for a lot of athletes it does make it a lot more tough yeah, and we saw more double podiums at least because in the sitting event, the United States, Kendall Gretsch ended up winning gold. She was the bronze medalist in the 6K. Oksana Masters picks up another silver medal. Uh, so she's now got three for the games total, a gold in that 6K, a silver in this event, and then also that silver in the cross-country skiing. And Anja Wicker ended up winning bronze for Germany. So the Germans have continued to have a really good performance across quite a few different disciplines. Um, But I think adding an extra one into this 10K sitting will be an added bonus. I I think we should talk about just the distance between the the two athletes and the bronze medalist in this one. So 
Kendall Gratch finished in 33.12 um, and Oksana Masters in 33.21. Anya Wicker was two minutes and 24 seconds back. That is a very long way in a 33-minute race. Um, yeah. That's just... Whereas you compare the podium sweep to the Ukrainians in the, the, the standing was, you know, it was 13 seconds between bronze and gold. Um, and we're about to get to the visually impaired, but that was a uh, similarly massive margin between bronze and gold. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a couple of massive margins more in the cross-country skiing because there was that one that was like five minutes. But at the same time, like a two-minute gap still sounds ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, and as you said, we'll talk about the visually impaired. So Leonie Maria Walter ended up winning gold. Um, she finished with a time of 40 minutes and 56 seconds. Gold medalist from the 6K event, but also gold medalist in that 15-kilometre cross-country. Oksana Shishkova ended up winning silver uh, with a time of 40 minutes and 59.9 seconds. So the proof is in the pudding that it's not just Oksana Masters winning medals everywhere. <laughs> and then... Wang Yu ended up winning bronze and she had a time of 42 minutes and 50 seconds. So as Dan was saying, it's about a minute 54 time difference. Um, yeah. Not as crazy, but still a substantial gap between a couple of competitors. Yeah, enough for kind of everyone to, to see that there really was that big gap that, that shows that the gold medalist was... I mean, it's not really an upset when you win by two minutes in a 30-minute race or a 40-minute race. Yeah, exactly. Um, and just like mentioning the cross-country might actually go to that now because as I did hint towards, Oksana Shishkova did win that gold medal in the 15 kilometres for visually impaired. Um, this podium specifically was identical as far as like who finished where as the six-kilometre biathlon event. So Lynn Kasmaya won silver and Leonie Maria Walter won bronze. Um, and, like, I don't know, identical podiums in the same sport where the distance changes, that, like, you see coming. You're like, okay, it makes sense. Like, these are just clearly the best three. But to do it, like, in the cross-country scheme and then also the biathlon, you're just like, what? Like, I mean, how does that happen? To be fair, the only difference is that in the cross-country skiing, you don't have to shoot at targets. Also, there was um, nine extra kilometers. <laughs> but they are largely the same. You know, it's, it's still the same technique and the same skiing. Yeah. And so it's not as crazy as it sounds. Yeah, it's just a little, like, ridiculous, especially when you think about it in the fact of, like, there's very few people crossing over the biathlon and the cross-country skiing in the actual, like, in the Winter Olympics, at least. Um, there are at least three of them. Yeah. Um, and then in the women's standing event for the cross-country 15Ks, Natalie Wilkie from Canada won gold, Sydney Peterson from the United States won silver, and Brittany Hudak from Canada won bronze. So as I said, more um, double nation podiums at least. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's great to see that. Um, I have to say that the cross-country skiing is, is one of the harder events for me to, to really get into. The whole idea for me about skiing is skiing downhill. And I just don't understand why anyone would voluntarily say we're going to compete going uphill. Um, that's what perfectly good chairlifts are for. And you can't convince me otherwise. 
Yeah, that's not a unfair assessment. It also just can feel a little bit dry. Like in the mass start events, it's very entertaining. But I think that's because it's entertaining because you're seeing other athletes and like interact with one another. These guys start with like a 15 second time difference. And so like, yes, there is the intrigue and like people overtaking one another. But that's not the same as like where there's 50 50 skiers within like, 10 seconds of each other uh and we'll move to the men's because that was actually the 20 kilometers classical and the big time difference in this one was in the visually impaired category so brian mckeever from canada won gold he finished in a time of 55 minutes and 36.7 seconds solidly wins the gold medal because jake adikoff from the united states finishes with a time of 58 minutes and 54.4 seconds so over three three and a half three minutes 20 to to silver that is huge as a margin for the olympics (laughs) exactly and then we've got sebastian modern from sweden finishing with a time of one hour and 5.4 seconds so like it's almost a five minute <laughs> spread from gold to bronze you know what i take it back what i said earlier yeah. this is the biggest march and we have seen in the paralympics in a while i yeah and i mean like we saw in the sitting event on day two a four and a half minute gap so it's like it's not like it hasn't happened at all but at the same time when you're just like hang on there was like that huge margin between first and second and then second was still a solid silver medal it was like ain't nobody taking that off him because the next person's still another minute and a half behind him Uh, just ridiculous in the standing event uh japan's taiki kawayoke ended up winning gold he there's there's not the massive time difference but he still finished with a time of 52 minutes and 52.8 52.8 seconds. Kai Jia Yun from China ended up finishing with silver with 54.27.7. And Ki Ming Yang ended up two seconds behind his compatriot. So, like, at least That's there was close. one. <laughs> yeah, two yeah. seconds is actually seconds really is close. close. So, it's one of those things where it's like apples and oranges in the yeah. same day. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, that's that's it's not quite photo finish, but. It's not far off and in the other one you're like did we just extend the course for the this guy you know a little bit yeah i think in the yeah in the standing event at least it's very much like there's a chase that at least happens right at the end um even though it's really just one person's going to be chasing down a time and either they get it or they don't but at the same time like there's more intrigue in it than when there's three minutes between first and second no absolutely uh, we'll go to the Alpine events now, and we're going to start with the women's super combined. Um, the super combined was actually pretty interesting. It is a combination of super G and slalom skiing, um, and there were some upsets. There were some big upsets in some events, but we'll start with the visually impaired because that did not feature an upset. I was going to say that that was not one of the upsets we're talking about. No. That is Henrietta Farkas over as uh, pretty much everyone scripted taking a, yes. a pretty convincing gold over uh, Ju Duching and then Mina Fitzpatrick took bronze as well. So we've seen that combination before um, in that exact order in the downhill, not quite the same order in the Super G. Um, Fitzpatrick took silver and Duching took bronze, um, although Farkas over DNF'd the Super G from memory. So that's actually quite a different podium. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but also at the same time, like Alexandra Rexova, who did win that gold medal in the Super G, was amazing in her Super G section and then ended up crashing in the slalom section. And it was like watching her slalom, it was like, oh, she could go into first here. She wouldn't have beaten Foxova because she skied last. But at the same time, it was like, oh, we could see a double Slovakian podium here. And then she got to the bottom of that vertical section and then wiped out. And it was like, you got through the hardest section so well and then just lost it. Um, in the sitting event, we saw a little bit of a change up. So Mareka Murica and Annalena Forster did still end up getting gold and silver, but they swapped the order. So Forster ended up winning. Uh, she was sixth after the Super G section and then ended up just dominating the slalom section. She's a slalom specialist. She did win slalom gold in 2018. Uh, but then Marika ended up doing, she was first after the Super G, just was a little tentative on the slalom section, but she did end up feeding that information up to her teammates of like what happened on the course for the men's event, which I think did at least help out the Japanese a little bit. And then Liu Sitong, who took bronze in the downhill got back onto that podium by winning bronze here. She was still three seconds behind Marika, but at the same time, like she's now got two Paralympic bronze medals at the her home games. Yeah, it's not, not a bad return for a, a home Paralympics. Yeah, and then in the standing event, this is where we saw all of the heartbreak in the women's. So we had Molly Jepson, who did reasonably well in the Super G, crashed like right out of the gate in the slalom. Um, got her ski kind of caught on that rubber mat that they push off of at the start because the way that she pushed off ended up just falling flat on her face is the actual only way to describe it. And that the technical term for it. Yeah, that ended up in an automatic, did not finish. And Marie Brochet, who won silver in the Super G event, uh, also ended up crashing out this at least in the middle of the course this time it was kind of like a who from the next generation might end up getting it and Eva Ardsor from Sweden ended up taking out gold she did really really well um, like all credit to her I think that she possibly was going to end up winning this regardless of whether um, Jepsen or Bochette ended up finishing Zhang Chu ended up winning her second silver medal she also got that super G gold um, as well and did incredibly well in her Super G section again. And then Canada's Alana Ramsey took out her second bronze medal of the games as well. Um, and like we've said, like it's so fine of like where you can crash out in these Alpine events, but at the same time, like just to crash out right out of the starting the gate, that's, that's a next level heartbreak. That's not that's not this course is a tough one. That's a, just a hue and error kind of thing. And it happens, but it's obviously very unfortunate. Yeah, and then we'll move to the men's. We're going to start with the visually impaired again. So Giacomo Biotagnoli ended up taking gold. Uh, Johannes Eigner ended up winning silver. And Neil Simpson, guided by his brother Andrew, ended up winning bronze. And I will say this was Italy's first gold medal of the Games. And he has both of Italy's medals for the Games, just full stop. So yeah, is having a pretty handy outing in uh, Beijing for himself there. <laughs> yeah. I think he's got to be very happy for himself. And he looked great again on the slalom course. Um, Neil Simpson, like, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, you've, you've done decently in the slalom, but there was definitely some clear mistakes. And then there was just, like, waiting and watching others perform worse and then another person not finishing. And you're just like, oh, that's a lucky podium. <laughs> like, 
that is one of those things where it's like you do also win because of other people's errors in these cases uh in the sitting event jesper peterson once again gold medalist he's now got two gold and a silver from these games but Podium is very different this time. No Corey Peters, no Taiki Mori. Uh, he was joined Bring by... Bring on the Dutch boys. Yeah, the Dutch boys. So Jorgen Kamshure won silver and Niels de Langen, that's a heaps easier name to say, <laughs> uh, ended up winning bronze. Um, and they were both on the podium in 2018. Like they are both phenomenal super combined athletes and they do very well in the slalom as well, which ultimately when the slalom is that second half of the event it's it's pretty handy to be yeah. good at it that's for sure you just got to kind of get through the super g if you're going to be able to close the slalom as well as yeah. those guys do exactly um and then in the standing event we had arthur bochette win gold Santeri Kiveri win silver and the one I actually want to talk about Adam Hall from New yeah, Zealand winning bronze <laughs> it's not even like a yeah the Kiwis moment so Bochette ended up doing really well he won both the super g and the slalom sections like just head and shoulders above the rest but Adam Hall went from 15th in the super g to a bronze medalist it's all about closing the slalom as I said all you have to do is get through the super g in a position that gets you there and I mean, that's probably cutting it a little bit too fine, but he also <laughs> ended up only 0.29 seconds off silver. So it's not like he was a long way off. No, it's abs absolutely ridiculous. Australia's Mitch Gawley was also in this event. He, similar to Hall, had a rough Super G, was 20th after the Super G, and then ended up 11th in the slalom to be 13th overall, um, which, like, it's his last games. I'm not, like being like all right now you've really got to get a medal in this slalom offense because that is his specialty but at the same time i'm like to come back from 20th to get to 13th good effort not it, a lot more like realistic as far as the script goes than um 15th to third that's for sure yeah no someone's definitely broken down in the adjustment bureau and missed that one so that <laughs> yeah but you know good on adam hall for getting there and that's a, a really fantastic reward for an incredible ski through the slalom section Exactly. And our last sport for tonight is the wheelchair curling because the power ice hockey is ongoing as we were as we're recording and they took a day off on the third day. So we didn't actually have a lot to talk about right now. But the wheelchair uh, curling, there's been some insane results, some realistic results as well. Um, so we'll, we'll when we talked about the curling off air, um, I do want to tell everyone just for you know transparency's sake that not only did Jackie tell me and I told her she was wrong, that was impossible. But then when I Googled it, I assumed that Google was wrong because that was impossible. Yeah, it's, I wrote the day three recap and I think I just described it as ridiculous um, because it is ridiculous. The fact that Great Britain beat Switzerland 15-1 in a match that had six ends rather than the usual eight so like i think that if they played out eight ends and it was 15 one i'd be like okay i can kind of see how this happens but for great britain to score four points off both the first and sixth ends which we see we've seen a couple of four point ends but like not multiple four point ends in the one match and then also what five on that third end <laughs> It's just like, oh, wow. Anytime Great Britain had the hammer, they were just like, no, nah, we're not playing around this time. Yeah, I mean, that. there's one thing about hammering home your advantage. That's... No. Is that a, a 
four stone end on that pun or a five? Like, or are you going to give me one star? It's like a minus two. You're penalizing me for that. Yeah, that's a fine. Um, (laughs) Go on, say what you were going to say. No, that's all I wanted to say. I mean, yeah, like, to be fair, Switzerland's probably the weakest team in this competition, but Great Britain is by no means Canada. (laughs) I think that's where you've got to be, like, comparing it, is that, like, Canada's doing incredibly well, um, and at that point, they were undefeated. They've lost a couple of matches now, but Great Britain, they'd won a couple, they'd lost a couple, then they'd had a ridiculous win. Um, China has bounced back. I did say that they needed to beat up a few countries and that's exactly what they did. We so just want to confirm to everyone that this is the Paralympics and not a geopolitical <laughs> podcast. Exactly. I mean, that clip out of context the other night is very funny. Um, so they beat Estonia 9-3. They then also beat South Korea 9-4, then beat Switzerland 7-4. And that's all the matches they've played <laughs> since that, then. That's but what we call beating from, up. Yeah. They've gone from kind of getting smashed by Canada and Sweden to then smashing countries that are Switzerland, not so much, but like South Korea has done pretty well. They've had some big wins. Um, The other country that's doing surprisingly well is Latvia. Um, So they're back at this Paralympics for the first time since, I want to say it's 1992, but it could be 1994. (laughs) Um, Wow. And they, they lost some early games, but they've now won four games total. And the teams that they are beating aren't like pretenders or anything like that. It's so not Switzerland. Did... Is that what you're telling me? I mean, they did beat Switzerland, but oh, that, was actually, <laughs> that was actually a close match. It was 9-7 because I think Switzerland had to buck up a little bit after getting throttled <laughs> the other day. <laughs> Um, but they've also beaten Sweden. They won that match 9-7 as well. Um, they had a couple of triples in that match as well, to be fair. Uh, they beat, they lost to Estonia 5-6 and they beat Slovakia 8-4. And like, look, Slovakia is again one of those countries where it's like, they've had some wins that are like surprising and then they've had some losses that you're just like, like what are you doing and Slovakia so far has not come up against the likes of China and Canada so I think those could be more make or break matches at least yeah I mean we'll see I think the final few spots for the semi-finals are going to get very hot in the curling Um, because there's a lot of teams that have the talent and the ability to take themselves to medal contention and as we are all very much aware, there are only three medals. Yeah. I think that it will not surprise anyone if it is Canada, Sweden, and China. It's if Latvia makes it in that it might be surprising. But I think that's heavily dependent on Norway. Um, And Norway's gone from being in, like, second on day two to now being second last on day four. And all the matches on day four haven't played out, and they've only played five matches so far, but where it's crucial is the tie breaks and Norway is losing all of the tie breaks currently. So they actually need to get more wins on the board because if there are four countries all on the same points, Norway is going to be fourth out of those countries. Yeah, that's not really ideal. No, but we're at the end of the episode for tonight. So Dan, would you like to share your social media handles? Well, you can, as usual, find me at Decoppel um, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, 
Snapchat, uh, <laughs> Google Plus, uh, wherever you want to find me, basically. You can find Please don't find me on Google Plus, though. <laughs> and you can find me at Dodzy161 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. This has been Ascending Olympus. You can find Ascending Olympus on Twitter and Instagram at Ascending Pod. Ascending Olympus is a part of the Edge of the Crowd network. You can find Edge of the Crowd at Edge of the Crowd on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. You can also read any of our Paralympics, Olympics, sports, culture stories. We've also done a bunch of stories for International Women's Day, which was on the 8th of March, as in the day that we are recorded. <laughs> uh, so feel free to check those out at www.edgeofthecrowd.com. We're coming to you every other day during the Paralympics with Ascending Olympus. So tune in at 7 a.m., on Friday morning and on ultimately we're going to actually have the last episode on Monday morning next week after the closing ceremony. So thanks for listening and we'll see you on Friday.